Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the housing data he's watching for the spring home buying season and what housing demand and home prices look like. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah. And, you know, I don't need to wear my 49er uh, beanie today because they did win. And to all my lovely Instagram friends who are Green Bay Packer fans, sending me Green Bay Packer, go Pack, go. History repeats itself again. The Niners have the Packers numbers the last few playoff games, so. That was a crazy game. I mean, that was, I was at a wedding. I was at a family wedding and people were just like freaking out. And I don't even know that there was a lot of fans either way there, but just the game itself was so compelling. So congrats to it's you. The NFL playoffs games. Yeah. NFL is going to get crazy. So good game. Going to be a good game. Well, let's talk today about the spring housing market. Let's talk about what that looks like, what we're seeing, and then we'll get to, which of course is is very related, 10-year yield and mortgage rates. But let's talk first about the stats for spring. What are you seeing? So far, so good. Um, Again, a similar data line pool, uh, like in late 2022 to 2023. Um, The year-over-year data on the purchase apps is still negative. We We had a very you know, good run last year when mortgage rates were heading towards 6%. Uh, So the comps are uh, a little bit harder on that front where they were getting easier in the second half of 2023. But I would say right now, when you look at everything, everything looks fine and normal. Um, It's just the (laughs) growth isn't really like spectacular. But of course, with me, you know, the tracker article, purchase application data is everything. We want to look 30 to 90 days out. Uh, and since mortgage rates fell, excluding the holiday data, which if you are anything of a housing person, you don't count the last few weeks of the year and you don't count the first week of January. But uh, you take all that, we have eight weeks of positive purchase application data. New listings data is growing year over year. Nothing spectacular, but still growing. Active inventory rose a little bit. Uh, uh, in the last week. So, so far, so good. And I think this is like almost going to be terribly frustrating for extreme housing bears or maybe extreme housing bulls because it's kind of like the nitty gritty of uh, reading economic data, you know, kind of like being in a fist fight stuck in mud. It's just, they're just not, not so much going, you know, and it's, uh, 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 but I would still say it's, it's a positive trend with that eight weeks. You, you really want at least 12 to 14 weeks of positive trending, uh, ha- housing data. And then it'll be something material. Like we did last year, last year we had, uh, 12 weeks and that, that gave us that, that big month to month existing home sales print of, uh, from 4 million to 4.5 million. So we're not there, but it's good considering that mortgage rates are near 7% still, uh, that we are doing this. But again, context is critical. We are working from the lowest bar ever. So we have to be mindful of that when we talk about uh, positive trending uh, housing data. So you're always looking at purchase apps and if they're positive or negative. Do you have a range for like, you know, this this amount of, you know, growth means this, this amount of, you know, or is it just like, okay, it's positive, so we're going. It's so interesting because I, I just talked about that today, that 
if you actually look at the purchase application data and you string it out back to the 1990s, we're actually above 2014, the 2014 lows. That doesn't necessarily mean existing home sales are going to be above 4.6 million or the low levels of what we saw back then on the monthly sales spreads. It's a trend survey. And that's the thing about it. If it's a trend survey, you better have a good history of knowing what this data line is telling you, because I think it's hard to do a one-to-one with existing home sales, but it does give you a trend. Uh, um, So technically, you know, if if you looked at purchase application data today, you'd be saying, hey, wait a second, we're back to like, you know, 2014 levels where, you know, sales were trending around 5 million at that. So it's not that, it's just a survey. And, you know, last year, what we saw when we had that 12 weeks of positive data and then Neil Kashkari came out and started crying about 6% mortgage rates. We saw a spike in the 10-year yield and we mortgage rates went from 6 to 7%. So hopefully we don't get the volatility in that. But again, the 10-year yield is, I, last time I checked, 4.15%. Mortgage rates are near 7%. Um, the manufacturing PMI data today came out as a beat and that's been something a lot of recessionary people have been holding their hats on. Uh, so I was like, boy, if you have manufacturing data going positive and then the builder's confidence and new home sales going positive again, boy, those are two of the big things that people held their hats on for the recession last year or you know, 2022 going into 2023. Remember, everything changed November 9th, 2022, right? The housing dynamics, the economic cycle, that was a really big key day looking out forward, but uh, uh, the economic data is firm. And as we've talked about here, so many, so much, Sarah, paper, rock, scissors, labor data over inflation, economic data over inflation right now, until the Fed actually pivots, right? And, and stop risking a recession at this point. Um, uh, you just have to go with that. And again, they're, they're, they're now getting to the point to where the concern I have is that they see some of the economic data firming up and they get less dovish. Um, and, you know, every economic cycle that we've seen in recent history, at least, residential construction workers fall. And that's tied to the economic cycle. That's why everybody say housing leads to recession. And we're still holding things at bay, but the apartment jobs are at risk. And now, single, you know, so it's just one of these things that they don't need to do it anymore. But uh, that's in, in terms of spring so far, it's, it's, it's good. It's fine, but it's realistically still a very low bar in, in the data line pool, but it is positive. Can you explain, uh, briefly why, why everything changed on November 9th of 2022? Why do you, why do you hearken back to that? Okay. So yeah, so 20, 2022 was crazy, not just for housing, but for the economic cycle. Let's all remember back in 2022, what was going on? The Russian invasion, oil prices escalated. Wheat prices escalated. Everything, the commodities index were escalating. And then rates were going up so high. So single family permits were falling. When that traditionally happens, you know, (laughs) the fifth recession red flag for us was June 16th, uh, 5.01 PM. The sixth recession red flag was up on August 5th, 2022. But we got, unlike 2005, we, where we had a sales boom and we're going to have excess inventory, that wasn't the case this time around. So on November 9th, this goes back to October 27th, you know, the, the, the peak of the 10-year yield at four and a quarter there, the next move should be lower. Because sales were so low, 
10-year yield goes down, mortgage risk go down, demand picks up. If that happens for the builders, um, the HMI data should recover the builder's confidence index. So with that happening and single family apartments starts to rise, boy, that housing leads the recession thing is gone, right? The fifth recession red flag that was raised is bought back down. So that's why I said after November 9th, things changed. And what occurred was that you have, you have a lot of inexperienced people in Wall Street or YouTube. Or, it's funny. We just came back from the Utah uh, a mortgage professionals uh, uh, event where I was talking about economic cycles. And I just realized something I kept on saying trash and garbage. So what I'm going to do at these events now, I'm going to get a trash and I'm going to get a piece of paper. And then if somebody brings me somebody's work, which is trash, I'm just going to crumple it up. I'm a basketball player. We're just going to keep on shooting, you know, cause you know, uh, a person was asking a question about so-and-so's take. And I was like, Oh my God, that's, anti-central bank person number three and five. Okay. So I don't follow, listen, people, I don't follow anyone's work. I, people want like, there's like these big housing crash videos, price crash videos on YouTube. I don't listen to trash. I read, I read my own stuff. I don't need to listen to anybody else. Right. I have a live tracking model that has worked since the Peloponnesian war. Why would I need to use YouTube trash? Why, why would I do, why would I do that? Why would I waste my time listening to trash when I could read my own stuff. These people aren't these, listen, these people are never going to get anything on me, right? Because if the four, four looking data gets better, I've got the access to it. They don't, they're making stuff up. So crumple the paper up trash, right? If the data line gets negative, we'll be the first ones. These people do not have it. Ask them for it. Ask them for it. They go, Oh, oh I don't have it. I just drive here and here. Come on, man. Really? You're going to play that game on me. No, don't send me these YouTube clips. I would, I would rather swallow my own vomit than listen to and watch that stuff. Okay, Man. so no, giving us a very oh, Lord, it's just like it's like why it's like the problem is that a lot of people weren't athletes growing up, so they don't care about losing. Oh, in any okay, case, so can you tie that back to November 9th for me? Yeah, so. The forward-looking data for housing started to get better as the 10-year yield falls. So my whole concept, 10-year yield falls, mortgage rates fall, demand picks up. What happened? Single-family permits picked up. Builders' confidence pillars picked up. Residential construction workers didn't fall. The backlog, right? We talked about this. There's a big backlog of homes under construction or haven't started yet. The builders need those people. So the recession model broke because the 10-year yield. Now then what happened? The 10-year yield spiked up again. Builders' confidence fell. Guess what? Their smaller builders cannot do what the bigger builders are doing, right? And then guess what happened again? When we got to 5% 10-year yield, 8% mortgage rates, new home sales started to fall the last few months of the year. Um, we talked about this on CNBC in uh, September of last year, that it's going to affect the sales data in the coming months. It did. The Federal Reserve did finally admit that they were extremely restricted there because I'm hoping they're 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 like me. They're looking at cycles and they go, oh, we lose this group. We lose the cycle. So in that case, it all makes sense if you look at it and that and that all happened on November 9th because of the October 27th article we talked about. This will be the peak right here. Short term. Ten year yields falls. Go with it. If the forward looking data gets better, go with it. If you don't go with it, that's on you right? Reading, visually seeing. You don't even need to read. If you could just visually see the charts, right? There you go. So that's why we always talk about November 9th, uh, April 7th, 2020, the COVID-19 recovery model, November 9th, uh, uh, 2022. Those are key dates in this economic cycle. We, we, 100 years from now, 
when we're all dead and they go back and they're like, this crazy dude said April 7th and November 9th. And you could tie it. You could connect the dots there. And uh, hopefully I'm just, I'm just hoping that the fed doesn't just sit there and just wait, wait and wait until jobless claims break. And they go, okay, now we'll start really being, you know, we'll start cutting rates and getting lower uh, mortgage rates or stuff like that. So you don't want to be old and so it's like that uh, grandpa in the Simpsons lost his teeth. The tortoise took the teeth. It's like, my God, a tortoise grunty took the teeth and just walking away. And the old grandpa's running. Uh, that's the fed. Now you don't want to do, you don't need to do that. I I'm telling you, Sarah, if the 10 year yield was between 3.37 and 3.80, and the spreads were bad, good. And we were talking about low 5% mortgage rates. Even my most crazy recession friends would, would, would flip and we can do this. We can do this. We can, we, but, oh, dear. oh I'm not going to, I'm not going to pound. You told me not to do that. All right. <laughs> so. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So you, you know, you wrote, um, we talked about earlier about, you know, why mortgage rates are inching up or what's happening, even though mortgage rates are inching up, we're still seeing that thing. So I think that's one of the things when you look back, um, you know, last year when we had that, that bounce or I'm in 2022, you saw a pretty big dip in mortgage rates to get that here. We're not really seeing that. Why, why do you think that is? Why are we still seeing the demand go here? Here's the thing. So, so this, this is the honest truth. We have a rate of change in the purchase application data. And because we're working from lower levels, it's just not the same, right? So even though we're rising, we're still 18% below last year's levels because we're working from a lower base, right? Existing home sales did not stop at 4 million like it did in uh, uh, the early part of 2022 to 2023. We got down to 3.78 million. So we are working with even a lower bar, not by much. I mean, it's not much, but we're working from a lower bar. So in the purchase apps, it's a trend survey. So it looks like it's it's made like a really big move back to what we would see in the, in the previous decade, but it's just a rate of change survey. That's all it is. It's not like a one-to-one. So I would say that we had a, even a lower bar. And traditionally what happens with higher rates, the purchase application data gets negative. So I'm still anticipating some, but we just don't have that speed. Cause when we went from, you know, 7.37 down to 5.99, we had like really, we actually had some, some validity on the purchase application data. And then it, and, and it, it spiked up and then, it, and then they started to come back down when rates went up. We haven't had rates go back up to 8%, right? We haven't even seen it go above 7%. So the spreads getting better, which is, is a good thing. The spreads are getting better that even my forecast right now, if, if, if the 10 year yields at four and a quarter, I'm probably not seeing seven and a quarter mortgage rates. But again, we are working from historically low levels in demand. I would argue this is the lowest levels of housing demand ever recorded in US history when you take the civilian force. So uh, the, you gotta be able to read the rate of change data uh, and compare it to what we saw. So we just have a lower bar to work from in 2024 than we had 
2023. And you remember, if mortgage rates, if we're talking about 5.99% mortgage rates right now, the demand data would be better. We didn't get here. Uh, so that's my best way to explain that, that even though we've had rates tick up a little bit the last few weeks, uh, uh, it hasn't affected this data line. Just remember, this data line is very seasonal, the second week of January to the first week of May. Seasonal increase going into spring, and then after May, volumes fall. You're going to see people every year at the end of May, volumes fall, and people go, purchase application data is falling, and they don't tell you that it's seasonal. That's going to happen again. happens every year. It's been year 13. Um, but right now, it's just okay. It's good. It's rising, but nothing spectacular yet. So looking at the demand that you're seeing and then looking at the inventory, what do you think we're going to see with home prices? So I just, we just published something that there was out of 50 metros, only 15 saw, you know, home prices decline and they weren't declining by much. Most of those, uh, you know, the majority went up. So what do you see for, for spring? Here, here's a, here's a very good reason why we created the tracker. If you look at the price cut percentage data of the tracker, it's going to be below, you know, the 2023 lows. So we want to keep the general data as simple as possible. If the forward-looking demand is good, not great, just good, and then inventory is, we see seasonal increases in inventory all the time, whether it starts in January or April, whether we inventory always increases. But if the inventory increases and the price cut percentage falls, I could get a six-year-old off a street and, hey, listen, this is rising, this is falling. What does that mean? Prices are rising. So if a six-year-old kid can tell me that, you don't need to listen to trashy YouTube about, oh, this, press this. Why do you people, like, fall for this stuff anyway? Like, seriously. Like, I've always, everywhere I go, there's always, I see this, you should see this person. No, I'm not going to see anything. Come roll up the paper. You know what? You're just going to look at charts. That's what you're going to look at. Take a note, Matt. We're going to start crumpling up the paper and do stop. There we go. Bucket. See, it's off camera though. I can't tell if it really was a bucket. All right. Okay. We'll do it at, we'll do it at one of our events. Um, In any case, just keep it as simple as that. Listen, the tracker is created to keep everyone kind of in line. Are there places in the U S where inventory is increasing higher and there's more stress sellers? Of course. But if you're talking about the general housing market, because, I mean, we can break every single zip code. We just don't have enough time or anything to do that for every every market. Mike Simonson has his podcast that he does every Monday. He, he does an excellent version where he, he talks about that. My forward-looking model ties in the economic data primarily first. And then we just keep the main components that demand is picking up, inventory is low, price cut percentage is falling. There's going to be a time where the price cut percentage is going to increase because it's seasonal. Right. So we look at the forward looking data and we just keep it as simple like that. Now, new listings data is increasing. This is true. We talked about this last year. It's going to increase because it's working from the lowest levels. Is it increasing by a lot? No. I want to see a little bit more. Um, I'm hoping for a little bit more data to get back to normal, but the Meredith Whitney silver tsunami. Oh, this is it. This is going to be the year where the silver tsunami. Let's be realistic people here. The last three years, seasonal data for new listings, 30 to 90K. A tsunami was 2008 to 2011. Back then, 250,000 to 400K. That was a tsunami. This this is like a tsunami from the movie Logan's Run where everyone dies at 21. 
or no, 33, excuse me. The movie was actually 33. And they found one, there was like one baby boomer in that. There was one baby boomer in that movie at the end. And they're like all touching the hair and stuff. And they're like, oh my God, look, it's a baby boomer. So in any case, that's like so far, the silver tsunami this year is like, looks like that. I found one, I found one person. Okay. So it's growing, but it's not, you know, anything spectacular. I, I mean, to me, I, I, I was hoping for a little bit more new listings data. We are getting growth, but nothing, nothing of note still yet. Uh, and you know, the, you know, somebody asked me a good question. What what Mike Simonson does with his data lines on his podcast is excellent. I encourage everyone to go there and, and listen to it every week. He looks at the new listings count, goes into contract, and then, you know, those are things that are left after. That's why uh, we, we like the new listings data. But what happened last week, some of the things slow down. Let's remember, it is cold out there, people. It is freezing in America. So it is freezing and it's football weekend, right? And rates went up a little bit. So sometimes take all the variables into the question. I always go rates first, weather, of course. If it's really bad in a lot of places, guess what? You are staying home having hot cocoa. And you're like, okay, I I could just miss this for a weekend. Uh, in any case, um, weather can play impact in some areas. Uh, you don't really like to go into open houses when it's dead snowing outside, but Let's keep the focus on rates, forward purchase application data, because it all tends to merge together at some point. Like last year was a great example. We had 12 weeks of purchase application data that was positive. It all went into one sales report, right? It all kind of fricked in right there, just boom, it just went right in there. And we got like a massive month-to-month sales report. Even back then, I said, guys, this looks way too big for one report. So this is probably going to be the peak of home sales. I don't see anything. So let's Let's keep an eye on how the data line looks like. But if we do get another report like that, where it all falls into it, well, let's be a little bit careful of what we think is happening in 2024. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, let me ask you this. Um, so you were just at this event. You got a ton of questions. What was your favorite questions or, or, or what do you think the best question you got asked at this event was that you want to answer here? Not about your hair. Not about your hair. Somebody, no. Somebody <laughs> did bring anti-central bank people into it. And it like right and started, oh my God, I loved it. I was like, oh my God, somebody brought Stephanie. I was like, I didn't have it. In any case, there's always a standard silver tsunami question in everywhere I've spoken, every single conference. Okay. So we all address that here. Silver tsunami is not happening. Um, there's always the wall street question and too small. They're very small. They're not 44%. I, I, I was telling people that you saw some crazy person talk about 44% of homes have bought with wall street, 0.04% to 44%. Whoa. No more drinking for that guy. How do you get that from there? Okay. Um, but I, I, I think to me, the, the best question was, was about the Fed. About, you know, 
you know, what are, what's, what's the fed thinking right now? Like, like, like why, you know, and I, and I realized so many people have been so used to the fed being very accommodative and they, they, they want to understand why does the fed uh, uh, stay this hawkish? And I kind of say that I can't give you a good answer anymore. Like I understand what they were trying to do back then. Cause we talked about this last year. We said they want to destroy the labor market because they believe that the only way to destroy inflation in the 1970s is to destroy the labor market. That's why Jerome Powell said, we need pain. We need you to lose your job. You can't get wage growth. They don't need that anymore. So I, 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 I was, t- I was telling the person that asked, I said, listen, I, I, I don't think they pivoted. I know a lot of people think they, all they did is they took their crazy. We need to everyone lose their jobs to their, okay. Inflation went down by itself. So they're less hawkish, but less hawkish and pivoting and being accommodative for the economy are two different things, right? So if it was me, I am cutting 75 basis points. At the end of January, I'm apologizing to everybody about the 1970s. I will try to slow down the quantitative time because I don't need the 10-year yield to get below 2%. I just need the 10-year yield to get down to the Gandalf line. And that is not that far away. And then get the mortgage spreads better. Then I don't have to worry about, you know, construction workers losing their job or any kind of capital investment. This is the problem about when you keep short-term rates high, the borrowing costs for companies and states and everything, that starts to impact forward-looking plans out here. We need to get that back down because, again, we don't, it's over. The pandemic's over. So uh, we go with that. And uh, it's a really good question was, was this pandemic related? Hell yes, it was pandemic related. I was like showing the people, when I go to these things, I have this, the CPI inflation charts that go back, you know, to start of the century. We could barely keep inflation over 2%. And then the other good questions I got was about the money supply and everything. I was like, dude, we had, you know, balance sheets increasing since the start of 2010. And guess what? Inflation growth rate was very small. So actually, I would tell you that Utah came to play and Salt Lake City is beautiful. I love it. I love that was the first time I was in Utah. And there was a lot of good questions. There was a lot of things about the Fed and inflation and and the balance sheet and uh what is quantitative tightening? Like, like if they slow things down, what does that do? It's the kind of plumbing of the system. They don't, they did not want to see the 10 year yield go that up that high. So they want to kind of slow that process down just to keep things orderly. So there was a lot, a lot of good questions on the fed, their balance sheets, quantitative tightening, you know, uh, um, why isn't inflation taking off anymore? Like it used to. And a lot of the things, one of the things I always stress is, the history of global pandemics, very inflationary, disinflation. War is inflationary. And I said, guys, go, this is the nerd of me. Guys, go look at commodity charts when Russia invaded Ukraine. Look at these <laughs> wheat prices, commodity, I mean, the, you know, uh, energy prices. Remember, we all thought that Europe was going to freeze to death, you know, because nat, nat, gas, natural gas prices were like $10. We thought there's no way. And um, it, they all collapsed right? You think the Fed did that? You think the Fed created oil prices to spike? No, war is very inflationary, right? Supply chains don't work, you know, things are, and global pandemics are, and the disinflation is just a byproduct of that. So the Fed overhiked, they overhiked, they panicked toward the end of 2022. We did the, who spiked the Fed's eggnog back in 
near Christmas of 2022 because they they panicked and now it's just a process of getting that back and don't be the grandpa and the Simpsons chasing the tortoise with the fake teeth in there. All right, let's let's get let's get this going. Let's get this going. Get people buying homes and let's not worry about who. Let's tinker with the recession. Let's let's stay here long enough to get it done. So. Well, thank you for bringing that insight. Yes, I remember that uh, Who Spiked the Fed eggnog uh, podcast. We were wearing Christmas sweaters, if I remember correctly. So we we do like to uh, have. I was up. like, I'm telling you, I I am never going to forget that. I we went from the Federal Reserve saying we're going to keep our eye and keep the Fed funds rate around three, six, twelve month core PCE. That's our goal, and then like. Four weeks later, oh hell, we're gonna we're gonna break everything. We're gonna this is our idea, and I was like, what 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 happened? And and to me, just to give people an idea, three to six month core PCE is going to be possibly under two percent with Friday's inflation data, and we're like five and a quarter, five and a half. We are we are restrictive based on what they tell us. Not I'm not I'm not making a Fed model for them. This is what they told us. We're just doing, and they're like now. Well, we don't know if we want to cut rates that fast. And it's God. For those just listening, he's picking up his microphone and waving it around. Yes, I'm sure that's uh, that sounds good. Logan, I appreciate your passion always, especially because it's for the, you know, for the the good of the housing industry and the American people. So appreciate that you bring that. Thanks for the insights. And we will talk to you again soon. Thank you. And also, I just want to say people say kudos to Sarah for putting up with you because, uh, <laughs> you know, she's obviously she's trying to keep you in line. And I always tell people, you have no idea what she, she does to try to keep me in line, but okay. So we're going to have a, it's housing wire week. We're going to have unleashed Logan where the webinar is just me and she's not allowed in there. So I get to be myself. So when this podcast comes out, that is happening on that day. And that's going to be fun. That's true. So Thursday of this week, when this podcast comes out, um, you guys can listen to Logan. This is Logan without me going, okay, no, you can't say that. Okay, no, don't do that. Okay, you have to do this. So um, yeah, it'll be great. Uh, We appreciate you doing it and uh, look forward to it. Thanks, Logan. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.